Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. In a minute, cuz. We live. We live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Search your favorite podcast app, iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast for Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, golf, and fantasy sports. I'm Doug Branson. We've got a lot of show ahead. I've got the panel standing by. We're going to do a fantasy minute a little later on around Nick Batum. But first, we have to start with our latest player preview, and this one's a big one. It's all about Dwight Howard. And let's go right out to the Locked On line where I have standing by Rick Bennell, beat writer for the Charlotte Observer. Rick, how are you this morning? I'm very well, Doug. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, listen, you've I've been really interested in this mailbag column you've been doing recently. So let's start there. What is the question that you're getting most in regards to Dwight Howard from fans right now? Um, it's actually kind of a basic one. It's just how much impact do you think at this stage in in his career he can have on the team as a whole? Um, you know, Doug. Doug, it's interesting because I have had my share of criticism of of Dwight Howard in the past, and and it, you know, I, I mean, he is a high maintenance player. I don't think anybody, um, I don't think there's any reasonable opinion that he's not. Having said that, I think sometimes we we too quickly disregard the fact that this guy has never finished an NBA season not averaging a double double. And I think it's just as important to keep in mind that um, one of the most obvious flaws on this team the last couple of years has been the lack of rim protection. He can obviously be a big, significant factor in that. But to be honest with you, I think the even more significant factor, since you, since you brought up the, the mailbag column that I've been trying to do once a week, I think that the most significant change potentially in the short run, I'm not talking about, you know, what Malik Monk will be in three or four years, but I think the most significant difference in that, that this team should demonstrate in the short run is Cody Zeller being allowed to play most of his minutes against the other team's backup center. That could arguably be as big an advantage as any for the Hornets this season. Absolutely. And Dwight Howard um, did not miss uh, more than 10 games last season, played 71 the season before. So uh, he's been able to stay on the court. I want to flip that mailbag question around, though, and ask you what's your biggest question surrounding Dwight Howard in terms of his fit with this Charlotte Hornets roster? Um, Well, Doug, you and I have talked about this in the past, how much – how impressed I am with the chemistry in this locker room. I, I've covered 
28, 29 NBA locker rooms. I've never seen a, a, a more, um, a more professional, um, more quality place than the Hornets locker room has been the last couple of years. It, it, there's a work uh, culture there. There's a sense that people are truly vested in each other's success. That comes primarily from three people. It comes from Marvin Williams. It comes from Kemba Walker. It comes from Michael Kidd Gilchrist. So this is a strong situation here. For that reason, I think they'll be okay. I know that Marvin and uh, and Dwight have a long relationship. They're contemporaries. They played a lot of AAU ball against each other. Um, Dwight is not a bad guy. I'm not implying that. I'm not. Uh, I, I I am saying that I think that you know when you. When you are playing for your third team in as many seasons, <laughs> when you get traded for Miles Plumley's contract, um, that might want to you might want that to register on you about the perception of you in the league, and that can be a very very constructive thing. Uh, the other day, when he was doing that that charity event, and he contributed a hundred thousand dollars to, by the way, to the local. Uh, a boys and girls clubs effort, which is a cool thing. Um, he said that he's pretty ticked off about the perception of who he is and what he is at this stage in his career. Uh, if I'm Steve Clifford, I want him mad at that way. I want him highly motivated, but I also want him to be a person who's flexible enough to make an effort to fit in with his new group. Yeah, because, I mean, if you look at his uh, statistics last year for Atlanta, he, a- he averaged a double-double, uh, 63% uh, from the field. I mean, it's it's tough to take what he did on the court and translate that into you know some reason why he would bounce around team to team. It obviously uh, has a little bit more to do with relationships. And you mentioned uh, Steve Clifford there. A lot has been made about the relationship between Steve Clifford and Dwight Howard. Howard was obviously not happy about how his tenure ended in in Houston or Atlanta, but many, including both Clifford and Howard, feel like that they can work together in a way that hasn't materialized in years past. How important do you think Dwight's satisfaction will be to the team's success this season? I think it's all up to Dwight. (laughs) What I mean by that, Doug, is, you know, I've been around Steve Clifford now for a long time, and Cliff does not... Cliff doesn't doesn't um, cater to people. He doesn't patronize people. I, I always think the most interesting thing I've heard said about Steve Clifford came from Gerald Henderson when he said that what he loved about playing for Cliff is, you know that what he says to you to your face is exactly what he's saying behind closed doors. Whether you like it or not, as Gerald said, you know where you stand. Mm. Um I think that's really important. You know, Cliff is an extremely transparent person. As as an example of this, you know, when he when he volunteered about about um, Malik Monk's um, conditioning issues coming off that that ankle sprain at that media luncheon a couple of weeks ago, you know, you know, he's he he's going to to say what he thinks. He's not going to be unreasonably harsh about it. He's not going to throw people under the bus. But you're going to know where you're you stand. And for that reason, um, Dwight knows who he is, knows what he's about. But this is the first time he's been a head. He's been the guy's head coach. That changes the relationship a little bit. 
for that reason, we'll we'll see how this works out. Earlier, you talked about Dwight's arrival having an effect on the team overall by sending Cody Zeller's talents to that second unit and having Cody Zeller go face-to-face with the team's second big. Um, let's talk about Dwight's impact with the players that he'll be playing most often with. I'm thinking about how he's going to affect Kemba's pick-and-roll game as a screener or maybe Michael Kidd-Gilchrist and his defense. What what effect having a traditional rim protector will have on the scheme overall? Uh, who do you think Im- is impacted most uh, by Dwight's arrival, players that are playing with him? Um. It should be Kemba and Nick Batum because they're obviously generating between the two of them. They're probably generating 90% of the offensive movement. Uh, um, if, if Dwight, um, if, if Dwight really takes it to his heart to be a terrific pick and roll player, there's no reason he, he won't be Doug. You know, I, I, the other day when I was, I was looking through some stats from last season and I found this one particularly interesting. Um, while the Hornets had one of the highest percentages in the league in points derived from free throws, they were just about at the bottom of the league in points in the paint. I don't think, you know, either one of us is terribly surprised by that, but even if it's not a, even if it's not a shock, it is a rattle. And hopefully Dwight can create some um, help create some balance in the offense so that they're not, you know, one of the things that's somewhat inefficient about their offense is while they take a lot of threes, they're not a great three point shooting team. I think they, the floor needs to be much more balanced this season. And hopefully, um, um, hopefully Dwight being um, backed up by Cody can help do that. Uh, as we wrap up here, Rick, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, I, I want to go. I want to go back to the 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 one hundred thousand dollar donation because I think you would have some good sort of context and perspective on this. Is that is that a big deal? Because uh, I mean, I, I just don't know. Like in the past, players doing things like this, it seems like a big deal to me because he was traded here. It wasn't like he was a free agent acquisition uh, that needed to sort of prove something that he picked this place and is committed. Uh, he you know, uh, did this uh, sort of on his first day back to Charlotte. Is this a big deal? Well, you'll remember that the end of the the original Hornets here and the beginning of the Bobcats here, you know, there was that two year span in between. And I was, you know, kind of going around trying to write about expansion and different things. And Dwight um, was a high school senior at Southwest uh, Atlanta Christian Academy at the time. And I went down there and interviewed him. And the reason I meant to bring that up is um, Dwight, talks about how there was no place like that kind of a boys and girls club atmosphere for him at the time. Um, he comes from a, you know, pretty nasty neighborhood in Atlanta. Um, he had great parents. His father was a state trooper. His mother was, is Jim was gym teacher. Um, and they, you know, but, but my point is he remembers that kids need you know, safe, constructive places to be after school. And so I'm not at all surprised that, that a, um, that an effort like the boys and girls club is close to his heart. Of course, it's a big deal. They wrote a hundred thousand dollar check, you know, no matter how much money you have, um, be the, your willingness to, um, to do those things is important. And remember, this isn't, this wasn't just a matter of writing a check. I thought it was pretty cool that he wanted to show up 
at um, at that elementary school, and he interacted with those kids for you know for a long, long time. He slapped every one of their hands on the way out of that um, auditorium that day. I thought that was a pretty cool scene. Rick Vanell, Hornets beat writer for the Charlotte Observer. Rick, whatever happens this season with Dwight Howard on the roster, it's going to be interesting to cover this team. I think it's that's fair to say, right? Without a doubt. And, uh, you know, Doug, in, in that regard, I think that people are underestimating just a little bit the idea that depth was the biggest problem last season. They, they're by definition a deeper team. If If they can take advantage of the options they have this season, Rich Show has addressed a really significant flaw in this team. Great point. Should be fun to watch. Thanks so much, Rick, for joining us this morning, and we'll talk to you later on in the season. Sure thing, Doug. Have a nice day. All right, let's get to our panel now. Oh, actually, before we get to the panel, I want to talk about SeatGeek. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's by far the easiest way i found to shop for tickets online. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps on my phone, I can instantly find the seats uh, to the sports and concerts that I want to go to. You know, concert season is kind of winding down as the summer's over, um, but the Blumenthal Arts Center lights are starting to power up. I don't know if any theater fans out there, but Charlotte has a great sort of major theater scene, not a great minor theater scene, Um, but I'm trying to scope out some Hamilton tickets right now. If there's going to be a deal at all on those anywhere, it's going to be on SeatGeek. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with the utmost confidence. And the best part, our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code L-O-N-B-A. That's promo code L-O-N-B-A for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Go, go, go. Download the free SeatGeek app. All right, now... Let's get to the panel. I've got uh, from the mean streets of Cotswold, David Walker. David, that was a lot of insight there from Rick. Never disappoints, does he? Uh, good morning. Yeah, good stuff from Rick there on, on Dwight Howard. Also from Charlotte, uh, Calamity James. Claire, Claire, what's going on? Not much. How are you? Good. Well, let's get let's dive right into this because there were a lot of interesting aspects, both from a personal narrative perspective on Dwight Howard, but also from a, you know, on court, how is he going to affect things perspective. Right now, I think NBA writers seem to be falling all over themselves to say that Dwight Howard is underrated after what he did in Atlanta. Uh, Claire, do you see Dwight Howard that way? Do you see him coming into this season underrated? Oh, man. Underrated is such a difficult term sometimes. Um, I will say that I think that his if you're going to judge him solely by his season in Atlanta, that's pretty unfair. Um, However, you know, is he underrated or overrated? Yeah. In order to prepare for this (laughs) for this episode, Rick was going to be on. So I reread his article from last June. Um, And so he and he says in his article himself, like, you know, he's not going to be an all-star anymore. He hasn't been an all-star since two, 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no expectation for him to be the best player in the team because that is still, you know, deservedly Kemba's honor, I guess. Um, however, I will say that it seems like um, there are people who are 
I, I, I will say that there are people who are undeservedly harsh on, on Dwight Howard for a number of reasons. Um, but I think that um, underrated is, is difficult to kind of pinpoint. David, he did not make uh, ESPN's list of top 100 players. Uh, Andre Drummond, sort of his you know younger protege, prototype kind of thing, was 51. Dwight Howard uh, gets left out completely after averaging a double-double last season and being one of the most elite paint players and rebounders in the league. What does that say to you about his perception around the league? Kind of obvious. Well, it may say more about that list than anything else, to be honest with you. I mean, there's some talking Boom, points. Boom, roasted ESPN. You hear there. that? <laughs> David's coming for uh, you. But, but yeah, I mean, the perception, and I think Rick hit on it right off the top there, you know, I think sometimes or, or currently he may be getting a little more flack than is than his game, um, you know, uh, necessitates at this point or, or deserves at this point. I mean, you look at it last year, Doug, 63% field goal percentage, you mentioned that, highest of his career, right? And he's getting knocks for, you know, injuries and being a little banged up. But in 13 years, he's only played fewer than 71 games twice. I mean, that's that's pretty durable for a big guy like him uh, that's played a lot of years in the NBA. And I just think he probably is a bit underrated now because a lot of people, you know, see how it ended in Atlanta, the playoffs, the bitching during that time. Um, the discontent during that time. The benching or the bitching? <laughs> the benching. The benching. The benching. Okay. Too early on Monday to, to get started. Okay. But yeah, he had a pretty good year in Atlanta. Another double-double, another playoff appearance. So I think there's a lot more negative coming at him right now. And I think he is using that as some motivation, as Rick pointed out. And Clifford does have to like that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we okay. Let's let's move to the the on the court situation because Rick threw a couple of stats out there that the Hornets last season were uh, were near the tops in the league in terms of points derived from free throws, but low in points in the paint. I looked this up as well. They were twentieth uh, in second chance points and twenty seventh in points in the paint. Dwight Howard was among players was fourth in second chance points in the entire league and thirteenth in points in the paint. So certainly some yeah. things are going to change about the way I think the Hornets play offense and play defense. Uh, what do you see, Claire, as the thing that is going to be a guaranteed change about what the Hornets do next season based on Dwight Howard's arrival? Um, to be honest with you, I think mostly defense um, because he, at least in in Orlando and L.A. where um, you know he worked with – uh, Steve Clifford last, um, his blocks high in Orlando was 2.9 per game, then 2.4 in LA. So, um, I think that right off the bat, that that's going to be an impact, um, at least hopefully kind of deter people from trying to go inside as much as they currently do, um, right now. Um, cause I mean, right now, like Cody Zeller is somewhere between 0.8 and 0.9 blocks per game, something like that. So um, I think right off the bat that that's going to be the thing that I'm most interested in. I'll be probably um, watching pretty closely. David. Yeah, I think this team's going to be probably – it's hard to see them not being one of the better rebounding teams in the league, Doug. I mean, since Clifford's been here, their ability to rebound defensively has always been good. But I think Howard, that's just what he does. He cleans up and he gets the boards. He's still a big guy. You know, take away the athleticism um, if you'd like and take away some of the the health, I guess. 
but that body is still huge and he's yeah. kickboxing and he's out here training off court. So like, he's just a tough guy to get around. He knows how to play and he knows how to rebound. And I think when they've been asking, you know, Marvin Williams, MKG, everyone else to help um, shoulder the load from a rebounding standpoint, now you've got Dwight Howard and you can take a little bit off of those guys, hopefully maybe get some deflections and still have guys chasing balls down. But I think he's going to help make them a, a really, really good rebounding team. And, and that's something they were already pretty good at. Yeah, to me, you're asking the biggest question around the Charlotte Hornets season, which is how does Dwight Howard's arrival affect the players that were being asked to do what they will now ask Dwight Howard to do? Offensive rebounding, you know, shot blocking, that kind of thing. Like what happens to MKG? What happens to Marvin? And uh, does that affect the Hornets positively or negatively? Yeah, shot blocking is interesting. I think it's the one area where you may be seeing Dwight Howard's athleticism start to drop because, you know, points and rebounding wise, I mean, certainly he's taken a dip in scoring, but that's mainly been about usage more than his efficiency because we just said yeah. he set a career high in field goal percentage, but block shots, he set that he set his career high all the way back in 2009 at 2.9 and now it's down to 1.2. So one wonders, is he it, it would it would he be capable of of just raising that number back, you know, focusing on getting more, you know, being more of a rim protector, uh, having you know more shots blocked. Is that something that he can even achieve uh, with with you know just the the sands of time being what they are? Um, I think you're going to see an offense that more closely resembles 2014, 15, and, and maybe with portions of 15, 16 sprinkled in there. But you've got to force inside now similar to Al Jefferson that's going to want those post possessions is going to want to be a release valve when a play breaks down and and so I think that's where the offense sort of starts to shift more towards again and then I think you're going to see defense the likes that we haven't seen in Charlotte David I really think that like Dwight Howard is the holy grail that the Hornets have been seeking for a long time, and it has nothing to do with offense. He's a big physical presence inside that commands attention from players that are trying to penetrate. He's going to chuck guys. He's going to make guys think twice before they go into the lane. And I think last season, Mm -hmm. guys had no problem penetrating on the Charlotte Hornets, and it's what led to them allowing so many three-pointers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to have... You know, what they envisioned with having MKG and Batum on the wings there when they brought Nick in, I think, and really haven't been able to see it, whether it's because of injury or because of the adjustments you mentioned, they have the chance to be able to do that, like really pressure those guys out on the ball and because they've got Dwight Howard behind them and they'll have somebody, anyone in there blocking the lane. I mean, think back to even, you know, the, the Miami playoff series and how easy it was for them to get in and just get to the basket with ease. And, and that's just something we saw a lot last year, too. So, yeah, I mean, just having them in there, Doug. I mean, just taking up space uh, and being a big body is going to do is going to do wonders for this team. I think you're right. And also, I'm not sure, um, you know, at least being able to compare Dwight Howard to Al Jefferson. I'm not sure if I would really compare him that much to Al Jefferson because, one – the knock on Al Jefferson was always his defense. He was this great offensive player um, with great footwork and the ability to kind of maneuver his way throughout the point or, or throughout the, the paint. Um, however, 
Dwight Howard is more, he doesn't have the, the offensive maneuver, or, or at least the offensive footwork that Al Jefferson had. Um, and he's much more of a defensive player. Um, but what Dwight, how Dwight Howard gets his points is basically just bodying through the lane too. Um, so, you know, I think that that's going to be, um, you know, if, if fans are expecting Al Jefferson 2.0, um, I would really caution against that. No, and I don't think I, I no, think I yeah. don't think that I was comparing Dwight Howard directly no. to Al Jefferson. What I what I was saying is that offensively, he's going to demand post touches. I mean, twenty eight percent of his possessions last season were from the post. That was the highest among his distribution. You compare that to his pick and roll man game, which which fell to ten percent. That was fourth among among his plays. But he, you're right; he does do things that Al Jefferson doesn't do. He cuts to the basket in a way that Al Jefferson doesn't do. He's he's available to get those you know lob dunks. You wonder, right. but one kind of mm-hmm. wonders though. The the Hornets have not been a team that that loves that lob play. It's just not been something that is in their DNA. So do they? You know, do they start to figure that out with Dwight Howard because he is such a threat with that? Or do they say, no, you know, this is not is not really part of our identity. It's not something that our distributors uh, uh, do a lot. You know, Kimba on the on the smaller side, so it's a little sometimes it's a little tougher to get that lob play off. Um, but Nick Batum could certainly execute it. No, I, I just think that it will transform the offense certainly from last season because there was no one on the team that was really like get you know posting up backing his guy down clapping his hands and demanding the ball and right. and when you have that for you know 7 to 10 possessions a game that's going to change things no absolutely yeah, and what you're talking about yeah. was oh sorry no it's okay i was just going to that's that's why i see the comparison with al uh, jefferson i mean their games are are different and to Doug's point i mean Big Al wasn't going up and getting any lobs. I mean, they really haven't had anybody that can go up and get those lobs. They have got a couple guys they've added this year. But I think between Al and and, and Dwight Howard, the thing that I'm interested to see is, you know, when Al came here, he was not seen as someone who could um, manipulate the offense or run the offense kind of from the post. Not that he was getting 10 assists a game, but they were able to throw it into him and get it back out and keep things moving. And I think Clifford will want to use Dwight Howard kind of in a similar way. Um, uh, they, they, I think they, they talked about his passing in the preseason. So I think they, they feel like they can post him up, give him a touch, which he wants, right. Um, and, and keep things going. So I think that'll be the part of his game where they look to emphasize maybe a little more usage. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I know you're talking about basically like the impact of Val Jefferson versus the impact of, um, uh, Dwight Howard. I just had it. I feel like I had to kind of clarify that we're not, we're not saying that, they're the same player. We're saying that the impact is going to mm-hmm. be similar. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that, you know, especially with the law play and whatnot, I think Kemba can do it. Um, I think Nick could do it. Um, I, I just don't think that, I mean, you haven't seen it yet because we just really haven't had anyone who's yeah, been known to do it. Right. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think that, you know, that's, that's not going to be an issue. And actually I think that, you know, if I was Kemba, I'd be pretty excited because, you know, you get another, you know, you're you're basically getting the other toy to play with. David, you you uh, wanted to know sort of how Dwight Howard was going to affect. Who would he affect more, or who would have to adjust more to Dwight Howard's arrival, the players or 
the coaches. I think Rick seemed to signal that a lot of the adjustment was going to have to be on Dwight Howard more so that like the yeah. obligation wasn't on the coaching staff or the players to really do that. But what do you think? Who's going to have to make more of a, more of an adjustment as we move into this season? Yeah, I mean, I didn't even throw Dwight into that equation, and he'll definitely have to adjust things as well. I mean, it just feels like the players and the team, especially to start out with, um, playing with a guy that takes up that much space physically and kind of like, uh, you know, in the arena as a whole or on the bench as a whole, in the locker room as a whole, it feels like an adjustment for that group of core players. Now, Rick brought up a good point. I mean, Clifford and Howard have never had a this type of relationship, a, a player-to-head coach relationship, and that can be a little bit of a different dynamic. I still just get the feeling that Clifford's pretty comfortable with Dwight. You know, um, he's wanted to bring him in for the last two years, and, and I think that he knows – at least he knows better what to expect from Dwight than do anyone else, really. I say maybe Marvin, I think, because they have a little bit of a relationship there, too. So – I think it is going to be, especially early on, an adjustment for the players more so than the coaches. But clearly, when you've got someone coming in that, that shakes things up this much with a big personality, it's going to be on everyone, including him, to adjust things as well. And I think this is the most interesting season so far because let's talk about expectations, okay? They bring him into Houston, and there's sort of this like missing piece mentality that he could come into oh, Houston yeah. and be you the one not. thing that's going to get them to the championship. With Atlanta, there was a lot of sort of last last chance for Atlanta, uh, hometown guy coming back to his hometown, a lot of expectations surrounding that. And I think that led to some of the disappointment and and disagreement that Dwight had about his role in the playoffs. Like this, it's my hometown team and we're in the playoffs and we're in this thing. Like put me in the game. I mean, it's a very understandable, I think, uh, mentality from Dwight's perspective, but this is a whole new ball game. Like he's coming to a team that really is just kind of on the ropes, just needs to get back to the playoffs. And then, you know, the stated goal is to win a playoff series, something that Dwight is very accustomed to. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, here's what I was looking at, looking at his stats. You know, we mentioned the, the career high and field goal percentage, but his usage is the lowest, uh, you know, since his rookie year over the last two years. I mean, does he have a point? <laughs> I think it, it's hard to watch these games. And we've talked to guys that, you know, cover the Hawks and they're pretty down on him. I mean, and, and he was, like we said, uh, from a distant view, good for them. But, like, it, I get where Dwight's coming from. If he looks at the numbers, if he looks at his stats, if he looks at his usage, he's like, I maybe I do deserve the ball a little bit more. It's hard to argue from that standpoint because the results are there. Um, and, and so it, it makes a lot of sense. But, but yeah, I mean, the expectation is, is something we've mentioned um, since this transaction took place. I don't – there are – I mean, there are no expectations, I think, at this point. And it's certainly the lowest of his career. So the pressure – is not there and he's not the focal point I don't think I mean he's always going to be a focal point I think until proven otherwise just because of his superstar status in the past and again just being such a big personality but it's certainly the lowest of his career one thing you can expect from us is that we are going to be talking much more about Dwight Howard as we get set uh, for training camp preseason and then eventually the beginning of the 2017 
2018 season. As we've gotten back into gear on this show, I've had a few people say, hey, listen, I love the show. Love that you guys are on every day. Is there some way that I can support the show? And the answer is yes. It's called Patreon. For as little as $1 a month, you can help us make this show and get exclusive bonuses like ad-free episodes, double entries into our show giveaways, including tickets to Hornets games. And coming soon, we're going to be doing live post-game shows that will be available live for our Patreon subscribers only. Go to patreon.com slash LOH. There's a link in the description of this episode. Get exclusive interviews and access to content before anyone else. Check it out. Patreon.com slash LOH and help keep our hive alive. Shout out to the newest Patreon members, Ashton, Carson, Nico, Jonathan, Garrett, and F and Nick. And just to show you that we listen to our Patreon users first, they get priority with us. Uh, F and Nick emailed me several weeks ago and said, hey, where's the fantasy content? I need more Hornets-related fantasy content in the show. And uh, I said, listen, you're you're a subscriber now and we'll oblige. So we started the F and Nick Fantasy Minute. Today's F and Nick Fantasy Minute is all about Nick Batum, who we will be profiling on tomorrow's show Here's Locked On Fantasy Basketball's Josh Lloyd on how Batum is being perceived in fantasy drafts and why you should take advantage of it. Take a listen. Hi, guys. It's Josh Lloyd here, host of Locked On Fantasy Basketball, here to give you a couple of minutes on uh, the Hornets starting shooting guard or small forward, I guess, depending on how you want to phrase it, Nicola Batum. Batum is a guy that, that continually gets underrated in fantasy circles, in my opinion, and people are really quick to drop off him in leagues. And I don't really know what the reason is. I think it's because he's not spectacular in any one area, but what he's going to do for fantasy, especially is give you solid production right across the board. And getting that level of assist, five to six assists per game out of someone who is a small forward is fantastic. And I don't really see too much changing for Batum this season. He's going to be that you know, 15 point type of guy who gets five to six rebounds, five to six assists. Hit, you know, close to two threes, get a steal a game, half a block. The big stumbling block with Batum's fantasy value, of course, is his field goal percentage. And while it's not absolutely horrendous, uh, it can be a problem, especially for stretches where he has those runs of shooting under 40% for three, four games in a row. And that's where people do get frustrated with him. He's currently being drafted at pick 50 on Yahoo and 52 on ESPN. And I think that's about right, getting him in those mid-rounds. In a rotisserie-style league, Batum is more valuable than a head-to-head league because he's able to contribute in every category. He doesn't have a real standout apart from assists, but he still has significant value in head-to-head leagues, especially given that after the first 10 or so picks, you know, small forward-eligible players, the quality of those guys drops off significantly, and Batum can be one of those players that you can use, I guess, as a pseudo-point guard. He averages more assists then Kemba Walker for this Hornets team, and he can be that guy that provides really nice, solid value across the early to mid-rounds in drafts. And if the field goal percentage rises, it goes from, say, 40% where he was last year, and he becomes a 43% shooter or even 44 which I don't think is a, a massive stretch forward, then his scoring goes up, and then he leaps from the 50th best player to maybe the 30th best player. I don't really see much downside in Batum at that spot. It's not like he's going to become a significantly worse shooter or that all his other numbers are going to fall off the face of the earth. Getting him at that spot feels like it's almost the bare minimum of what he can provide. And then if the shooting, if he does have a renaissance with his shooting and he goes 36 from three and 44 from the field, 
then his numbers all come up and his value increases. So that's why I really like Batum. I've been a fantasy fan of his and a real-life fan of his for quite a long time, and I imagine that everything sort of continues along the, the same path for Batum this season. There's no real threats to his playing time. I don't see Malik Monk or Jeremy Lamb really cutting into the playing time that Batum provides for this team. And uh, as all you Hornets fans will know, he is a, a key piece to this squad. Thanks for listening, guys. I'll uh, I'll check you out soon. And you can check out Josh on the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast week daily. Subscribe and get fantasy info every day that will help you win your league. Uh, so Nick Batum being a little underrated in some of these fantasy drafts, you kind of have to gauge how people feel about Nick Batum. But I say, you know, he's he said he's projected around 50. I, I say go 10 spots up. Nab him at, at 40 if you can, uh, because I really think you have this insider info, which is Nick Batum stayed in Charlotte. That's not a lot of people are going to know that. Nick Batum staying in Charlotte to improve his NBA game. And I think you're going to see that bear out in, in his shooting uh, statistics specifically, because his scoring was okay last season, sort of on par with what he's had, but his efficiency was down. So I think you're going to see that go up. What do you guys think? Yeah, well, I mean, the career high in scoring last week, last last week, last year, yeah. right? So, I mean, I th- people just want him to be a 20-point scorer. And I also think, which this shouldn't affect a fantasy uh, from a fantasy standpoint, but that contract gives people a sour taste when they look at the numbers and they look at specifically the scoring in my eyes. You know, that was a big, huge contract. He was the benefit of some great timing. And, he, you know, he deserved to get that contract as well. But uh, from a fantasy standpoint, I don't know why that would affect you at all. He would be a guy that I would love to have on a fantasy team. He's given those stats like across the across the board pretty much his whole career. So um, if he can up the percentages, um, like Josh said, then then he's in good shape. And uh, you know, from a like from a fantasy standpoint, why would you, you know, what's what's the downside? Just that he's not going to, uh, like he said, I don't think he's going to fall off a lot more. He's not going to get a, a much worse shooter, right? Yeah, so um, I agree with what David said. I don't think he's going to – to be honest with you, he, he – to be perfectly frank, he has to improve on his shooting from last year uh, because, you know, as, as was mentioned, I think that there are stretches where he just didn't produce. And so that kind of – I could understand why some fantasy players might – be a little wary of that. However, um, he also touched on the assist thing. So five to six assists so far, um, you know, that's kind of been the norm for him in his career. Um, I actually kind of expect those to go up. I, I would like to see seven to eight assists per game, to be honest with you, because the Hornets tend to rotate the ball into the post through the wings. Um, and if we're going to, you know, like we were talking about earlier, so just to tie a little neat bow on this, um, but, uh, you know, if, if Dwight Howard's going to start to command some more um, touches in the paint, then, you know, a lot of that's going to go through Marvin Williams, Nick Batum, those guys. Yeah, no, I, I think you're dead on, Claire. I think that Dwight Howard's addition uh, to that rotation is going to affect things in terms of getting Nick Batum some more assist opportunities as he sets Dwight up in the post, but also the attention if they work Dwight early in the season, get him on tape. It, he's he's going to start commanding attention, at least Hornets fans will hope so, and that's going to open up things for Nick Batum, give him a little bit more space. So many of his three-point opportunities were created by him coming off the pick and roll, but if he can get some more catch-and-shoot opportunities, that may help his efficiency if he can get a little bit more space. And then you also have to talk about the fact that 
he will be working with Cody Zeller on that second unit. And we know how effective Nick Batum and Cody Zeller work that pick and roll. You send that to the second unit against some inferior defenders, and all of a sudden, you, know, you could see his assist and his points uh, uh, take, a, take a big spike. So I, I'm, sad. I'm really high on Nick Batum's season this uh, year, especially uh, in fantasy basketball. So thanks again to Josh and Rick Vanell for giving us some insight in this episode. Thanks so much to you for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Overcast, iTunes, Stitcher. Just search Locked On Hornets and shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzz buzz at lockedonhornets.com. We're back again tomorrow with a preview of Nick Batum's season. For David and Claire and the entire crew here at Locked On Hornets, I'm Doug. Go Hornets, go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. Somewhere deep inside your mind, there's a place where dreams live. And now those dreams have the chance to come to life. Because USAA Life Insurance is sponsoring the Live Your Dream sweepstakes, where you could win $50,000. That's $50,000 to let those dreams out of your head and into your hands. Enter for a chance to win and view official rules at www.usaa.com slash lifesweeps or call 1-800-531-LIFE. No purchase necessary. USAA Life Insurance Company, San Antonio, Texas, and in New York. or USAA Life Insurance Company, New York, Highland Falls, New York.